Father, I just want to thank you for your spirit, the spirit of God that lives in us, that is our teacher, and that's changing our lives. We give you praise tonight. Speak to our hearts from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the, we're talking about obstacles in the way, uh, and this is the third uh, part of uh, this series, obstacles in the way. This is something every one of us experience. No matter what you're doing in life, you are going to experience obstacles, especially when God's in it. If God gives you an assignment, rejoice. But also know you are going to meet with stiff opposition and obstacles and mountains. And you're wondering sometimes, are you really sure God gave me this to do? Did I hear from the Lord or my mind deceived me? What's really going on here? Now, what you should know is when you begin to experience difficult, difficult times, and difficulties, obstacles, that's when you must really know God's called you. <laughs> if it's really smooth and you're not having any problems, <laughs> you better rethink. Because God may not be in it. God doesn't give you any assignment that's going to be that easy. Moses, go to Egypt, I am God, and you get the people out. Oh, yes. <laughs> the first time Moses appeared before Pharaoh the problem increased for the people. Remember that? And Moses will say, where you send me now? Look. That's just the way God's ways are. And the most difficult thing for us as Christians is that period of waiting. How many have waited on the Lord for something that you're praying for? That is such a difficult time for us. I mean, I'm preaching at you. I'm preaching at myself as well. That's so difficult because we want to see tomorrow. But God doesn't permit us to see tomorrow. We want to get the problems taken care of right now. You believe, you, you've prayed, and sometimes God will even speak to your heart while you are praying. But one thing He never tells us is the timing of it. And so when He speaks to your heart and you feel good and you're happy, you're thinking, tomorrow everything's going to change. But what happens, uh, tomorrow things seem to be going farther south. And you're wondering, is, did I hear my mind or was it God? This is something we have to deal with. This is called the walk of faith. And so we must always remember that. And the most difficult time is that time of waiting to see when God comes, uh, comes through and what you know in the Spirit, what you've received in your heart in the Spirit becomes manifest in the natural. It's such a tough thing for us as humans. It's just every one of us goes through. Even the big ones even go through it. It's tough for everybody. How many of you know that T.D. Jakes wanted to quit ministry some time before? He was ready to throw in the towel. He was, he was so frustrated. He says, I'm not going to go with this. This doesn't work. But look what God has done. So that's just the way of the Lord. So when you're going through difficult times and, and walking with obstacles in your life, stop meditating on the problem. Don't think on the problem. Stop meditating on it. 
Because if you meditate on the problem, the problem gets bigger. God didn't tell you to meditate on the problem. He said to meditate in the word. Stop thinking about the problem. Give the problem over to God and enjoy life. Amen. Easier said than done. <laughs> Give the problem to God. But God himself said it. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. But that's what he's saying. Don't worry about it. Give the problems to God. Wait. Just enjoy life. What we must do during this time of waiting is to begin to tell God, speak to him. Let him know that you know his word. You know from his word that all things work together for good to those who love God. God, I really don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand the problem. This is what my expectations are. But that's not what I'm seeing right now. But I know that you are working everything together for good. For my good. Because I love you. You tell him that constantly. God, I know you're working with all of these things. You're working all of these things together for my good. Because I love you, God. I love you. Tell him those things and don't focus on the problem. Wait. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. So just keep waiting. Your strength gets renewed. Tell him you love him. Tell him you know he is faithful. God, I don't understand it, but I know you are faithful. You are never too late. You are never that early. You just come right on time. <laughs> it's when you need it the most. We don't understand it. It's for us. God's never on time. <laughs> if you wonder, what are you doing, God? Even Moses screamed, what's going on? That's just the way it is. But let him know that you trust him. That I don't understand it, but I trust you. I know, I, I, I don't know what's going on, but I really trust you. And they, in that way, encourage your, yourself and strengthen yourself. That's the way to go, to strengthen yourself. Take your mind off the problem. You can't do anything about it. Jesus made it clear to us. You can't make one hair gray or black. You just, you just let God do it. You can make it grow. Just God. Just leave it with God and begin to enjoy life. It seems silly to do, but you know, in the way of life with God, spiritual things are always, they don't make sense to us. His ways are so different from our, our ways. If you tell your friends, you say, you, you're not going to do something about this? You say, what can I do? There's, there are things to do something about. There are things that basically, there's nothing more you can do. Except to wait and talk to him about what's, what's going on. Sometimes in those times, it's better not to talk to anybody about it. Just between you and your maker. And he will encourage your heart. That's so important. That's what uh, Joshua heard from the Lord. Because if you keep thinking on the problem, you're going to get discouraged. And when you get discouraged... Most people that get discouraged, it, it doesn't matter who, when you get discouraged, you are going to get depressed. You may not call it, you may not say you are depressed, but you are really depressed. Uh, sometimes we use the word, I'm really concerned. No, you are anxious. 
Uh, you are not concerned. You are really anxious. When you begin to pace back and forth, you are truly anxious. And once you bring in anxiety, you block God out. And that's Satan's tactics. He wants you to be anxious and to be worried. But God has already given you a commandment. Don't be anxious for anything, right? So when you're anxious, you are going against his word. How can he come through to help you? If you are going to be anxious, don't pray. But if you're going to pray, just let it go and begin to, to be strong in God. So strengthen yourself, encourage yourself in the word. That's what it says in Joshua 1. He says, only be strong and be very courageous. In other words, keep going at it. Don't worry about it. That you may be that you may observe to do according to all which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. You know, it's so easy to turn to the right or to the left, because you've tried this, it's not working, like the fellow that wrote from Nigeria, he's tried everything, now he's going to a witch doctor perhaps. God says, stay. Don't look to the right, don't look to the left, Stay the course, just stay and wait because he's going to come through. That's the only way that you are going to be prosperous. Stay there and begin to trust God. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth to meditate. He wants you to meditate in a day and night. So not to talk about the problem, talk about the solution. God, I'm depending on God. That's a good thing to say. God's going to make all things well. That's a good thing to say. I don't understand it, but I know God's doing something. That's a good thing. Now, you know, God listens to every word that's been spoken. When you are complaining, He's listening. When you are venting your frustration, He's hearing you. And that's the worst place for a Christian to be. When you're saying things, well, I know God said this, but <laughs> take that but out of the way. <laughs> because you hinder yourself. You meditate on God's word day and night. If it's sickness, you meditate on the word, on, on sickness, healing from the Lord. Not the sickness, but what God says about healing, and then rest in that. That's where to go. You meditate day and night, and you will prosper. Second thing, while you're waiting, the best thing to do is to speak to the mountain. Continue to speak to the mountain. If you want to go around the mountain, if you want to go over the mountain, if you want the obstacle removed from your life, God wants you to speak to it. Listen, there is a time to pray. There is a time to talk to God about the mountain. But the time comes when God doesn't want you talking anymore about the mountain. He wants you to start speaking to the mountain. Some Christians even pray to the mountain. No, okay. <laughs> we shouldn't do that. There is a time to talk to God about what you're dealing with. But you get to a point where you frustrate God if you keep talking about it. That's what happened with Moses. When they appeared before the Red Sea, remember? And Moses was crying out to the Lord. And God said, why are you crying out to me? You got the rod in your hand, the stick in your hand, your staff. 
Do something. That's the way it works. You got to speak to the mountain. You got to speak to the problems. You got to say something about it. You got to do something about it. You got to speak to it. You know, when you read the scriptures, you see the life of Jesus. Sometimes we read and we don't understand what's going on. If you read in the scriptures with regards to Lazarus, Lazarus' death, Jesus said while he was by the, the tomb, he said, take, take the stone off. And then he started praying to his father. He said, you know, I know that you've heard me. So when, was he, when did he pray? You never read anywhere that Jesus was praying to his father before he got before that, the tomb, when they took it out. But he said it clearly. He had been talking to his father about Lazarus. Now it was no time for him to talk about Lazarus to his father. But because of the crowd, so that they know he, he's in touch with his father, he said, you know, God, I know, Father, I know that you always hear me. I know you've heard me. But because of this crowd, that's why I'm praying to you. You know that what he's saying? It's not time, the time is gone for talking to you about Lazarus. Now is the time to talk to Lazarus' dead body. Amen. That's what he was saying. I know you always hear me. I know you've heard me. But because of them, that's why I'm talking to you right now. And then after he said that, he turns to Lazarus. There is a time to pray, and there is a time to speak to the mountain. We are not doing that. This, this is a principle in the Word of God. Things may not change overnight, but don't stop talking to the mountain. Tell the mountain what to do. Don't keep describing the mountain to God. He's already know, he knows about the mountain. He knows about the obstacle. Uh, you get through with talking to him about it. He wants you to speak to it. When Jesus was sleeping at the boat, uh, you know, the boat with the storm, when he, spoke, when he rose from his sleep, he didn't pray to his father, right? Did he? He said the word. He spoke to the problem. And Jesus was just showing us this is the way believers work. The head is not different from the body. That's the way the head functions. That's the way the body should function. We must understand these principles and begin to operate in them while we wait. Amen? These are principles you can see all through the Word of God. That's what I look for. There is the principle, and then there is the working of the principle, the details of how to work. But the principle is, when you have a problem, you talk to the Father about it, and then you speak to the problem. And tell the mountain what to do. He's been waiting for you to say something. Tell the mountain what to do. I had a girl back in Georgia. I was casting out the spirit. That was my very first one. He shocked me because I'd never prayed with anybody that was demonized. And the, the demon wanted to go and was talking to me, girl with a real high-pitched voice, but almost like a man's voice, telling me, now that you want me to leave her, where do you want me to go? Basically, I have the right to tell him where to go. And he won't leave until I told him where to go. I was thinking, I was in Claxton, Georgia. And I, thought, I didn't know where I was. I didn't know the place very well. So I said, go to the nearest river. <laughs> and stay there. And she just, like, looking at me. So I, I, I was, 
Sometimes uh, I, I believe what uh, Josemaya said, do it afraid. I was so scared. That was my first one. When he won't leave and was looking at me, I said, go! <laughs> and she just collapsed. And he goes, what happened? I said, ooh, well, he's gone. <laughs> it was funny in those days. That was my first. And uh, all you thought I knew, you think I knew exactly what I was doing. All night long, I was hearing that male, the male voice coming from the woman. All night, and I'm saying, "Lord Jesus, protect me!" You know? <laughs> yeah, you can laugh at me, but you do exactly the same if you were there. <laughs> but the point is, he's waiting for me to let him know where I wanted him to go. Yes, come out. That's one. But where do you want me to go? Basically, you got to let me go somewhere. And you remember, they also told Jesus, can we go into this one? They want to go somewhere. But that's spiritual. But every problem has the same principle. You got to tell the mountain where to go. You know, I believe Jesus was so specific when he said, and preachers say this a lot, Lazarus, come forth, right? Many preachers believed if he had said, come forth, all those that I were grave, they will all come out. But he was very specific. Lazarus, come forth. Just you. Not the rest of them. Just you. Amen. So our words are very powerful. In Matthew 17, verse 20, it says, So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for shortly I say to you, if you have faith, as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, whatever the mountain is, maybe it's financial mountain, maybe it's your children, or you're feeling oppressed, depressed, maybe it's whatever the problem is, whatever the obstacle is. Jesus said, all you need is a mustard seed faith. It's such a small amount of faith. What he's saying, faith is required. But faith is not the biggest issue here. God needs you to have just a little amount of faith in you. But the key thing is speak. Amen. We're looking for big faith, strong faith. Jesus said, you don't need but just a little faith. Is that not what he said? Just a grain. But you got to speak. You have to have some faith. But not a whole lot, just if you have that as little as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, and the mountain will move. We have to speak to the mountain. Notice Jesus used the word mountain. He didn't tell you exactly what. He wasn't saying that we should go speak to Mount Everest. He's talking about the mountain in your life. What is standing in your way? Tell it to move. That's what he's saying. Tell it to move. And don't quit telling it to move until it obeys you. Tell it to move. So that's what it tells us. In Luke 21, Jesus also told us in 15, uh, verse 15 there, he says, For I, give, I will give you a mouth. Every one of you, when you were born again, received a new mouth. I will give you a mouth. Well, he was talking to people without mouths, right? 
<laughs> no, but he is saying, when you get born again, I am, and, and Jesus was not just using words. These words are real. I will give you a mouth. So every one of you, even though you were born with your natural mouth, when you got born again, God gave you a new mouth that the enemy recognizes. When you speak, every mountain recognizes that mouth. Not the mouth that you were born with, but the mouth that Jesus gave to you. I don't care if you got born again today, he gave you that mouth. The reason why the mouth is not working for you is because your faith has not even grown up to the mustard seed size. You've been listening to everybody except what the scripture says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You've been listening to everybody, everything that they are saying, and you are not able to stand on God's word and God's word alone, no matter what you see with your own eyes. Jesus said you can speak to a mountain. It will move. Sometimes in church we hear all of these things. He says, ah, that's so nice. I don't like nice in that regard. I want to be able to experiment on it. Amen? And see if it works. For me, Christianity is a form of experiment. I just keep experimenting with stuff. When I find out God does this, I experiment with it until I'm settled. Then you move on to something else. I've shared this year in the church here before. Financially, with this church, I have never concerned myself about anything. We set our minds on what we need. From, my wife will tell you. I, I remember she tells people, when, we, when she showed me this line the first time, and uh, we were talking, uh, she says here, yeah, but I believe it was in the sanctuary because I remember. Uh, my wife had that faith. I was not there yet. <laughs> she told me about the land. We needed to buy this land. And she meant, they mentioned the amount. I said, well, I don't want to think about that right now. And she said to me, you're always preaching about faith. Now it's time for you to act on faith. Look at you. <laughs> I wasn't happy to hear that at all. Uh, and I told her there is faith, there is presumption, and there is foolishness. And what you're telling me now sounds like I didn't tell her that. You can't tell your wife that. You won't grab the place. To... <laughs> uh-huh. But in my mind, what you're telling me now, that's real foolishness. Look at our church size. And look at what you're telling me to believe. But after I left, I kept thinking about it. I kept thinking about it. And then talking to God about it. And before long, that money wasn't that big anymore. So I told the church, we're going to buy that land. I'm sure my wife is, was wondering, where did this come from now? <laughs> but that's the way God does his stuff. And after that, it wasn't a big deal anymore. We raised the money to get, to get the place. And in those days, and, and now I don't do it as much. Because I've settled in my mind, God is going to take care of the art fellowship. So when we need to do something, I'm try, I try to be very careful about what I'm doing to make sure I'm very accountable to God and I'm not just spending because the money is there, whatever. But if we have to, I'll go ahead and do it. Once I'm convinced in my heart, I don't care what's there. And then if it's running low, I don't want to discuss it with anybody. I tell God, in those days it started with like $3,000. I will tell God, we need $3,000 this week. 
$3,000. Well, you may think it's small. Then, $3,000 a week, that's a lot for our church. And he gave me the 3000 I went as a witness to that. And then I went to five. And then you go on to ten. And fifteen. And if he pleases me, when I think we really, I'll go to twenty. And you know, God has been so faithful. I've shared this with you before. I asked fifteen one time. I got fifteen that week. And a little change. God does that. It will always give a little change. And now, it's not to, I can't discuss with anybody. And the devil said, I was rejoicing after I got the 15. And he says, you think that was God? <laughs> Somebody just happened to get something and they paid their tithe. That's why. If you really think you have faith in God and God's involved, why don't you ask for another 15 the next week? Oh, wow. So I asked God for 15 for the next week. And guess what God did? 15 plus a little change the next week. God is so faithful, but you got to experiment. And you got to speak. No discussion with anybody. Now, what I'm doing is I'm bragging on God because he is faithful. He has nothing to do with me, but he is faithful. I've got to test his word. You got to speak to the mountain. He gave you a mount that the enemy cannot resist. So you speak. You pray and then you speak and see how God works. So when regards to the earth fellowship, I just don't have any anxiety. Not because it's God's work, God's going to take care of it. But I've come to believe God cannot lie. He will take care of it. No matter what it is, if my mind is, yes, let's do this. Yes, we've increased our giving. You talk to her right now. We doubled our giving to the, the assemblies of God. And I'm still looking for where to give. Because God said to give. Amen. God said to give. The church must lead in that regard. So we're doing according to the word of God. But not with fear. Because it, it, God's word works. He has given you a mouth. You got the mouth. You were born again with a new mouth. That your, the problems, the obstacles, and whatever the oppression of of the enemy against your life, those things will listen to your mouth. But you've got to speak. He says, For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able, he says, they will not be able to contradict or resist. They cannot. But you've got to speak before there is something to resist. Right? You've got to speak. They'll try to resist. But they will not be able to resist. When your mouth speaks it, they, are not, they will try to resist. But Jesus said they will not be able to resist it. But if you are not giving anything, what is there to resist? If you're just talking about the mountain, what has the mountain got to resist? There is nothing coming against it. But you must speak. You must speak to the mountain. During that time of waiting, that's when every time Satan tells you a word in your mind, how many know he talks to us in our mind? And usually it's to cause you to fear or to be discouraged. Every time you hear that, even though no one can hear it, the way I deal with it, I will say it out from my mouth loud so I can hear it. And the fear and the concern evaporates. It disappears immediately. 
I don't believe in this Christianity where you don't say something. It's not all inside. I've got to let it come out. Any negative thought, I go against it. Uh, Michael will tell you, most mornings when I'm praying back there, all of a sudden I'm saying, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that's risen up against me in judgment, I condemn. You know why I do that? Because as a pastor, everything that you do is evaluated and people have what they want to say and I can't stop them, but I can cancel all the negative ones when I don't like. Amen? And I do that and I feel good about it. That's just the way it is. You got to speak during that time. Third, very important. Do not lose your joy. Don't lose your joy. All of us deal with issues. No one is free. Ask my wife. <laughs> We're always dealing with something. My family, we're always dealing with one thing. As a pastor, you all, we are dealing with something constantly. You may think yours is the worst. <laughs> Talk to somebody else. By the time they tell you what they're going through, you'll realize you have no problem. Angela was telling me about this lady. I don't know. She read about it. And she thought she had real problem with her husband. It was a real bad situation. And so she went to this Christian uh, uh, conference or meeting. And they sat down, the ladies in a circle. And they started talking about their problems with their husband. And, and one lady started we're talking about the problems she had with her husband and all of that. This woman was like, huh? You mean you are going through that? And then the next lady started, she wow. Man, you guys are still with your husband with all of this. And then the third one, and they kept going. When they got to her turn, she took a handbag and she says, I don't think I have any problem. I'm <laughs> Walked out of the place. We're all dealing with something. Satan just doesn't want you to re realize that all humans have to deal with it. If you don't maintain the right attitude, you destroy yourself. Because everyone is going through it. It's being human. Dealing with a sin-cursed world. Dealing with a devil that you can't see. You have to trust God. And don't lose your joy. Because when those problems come, what the enemy wants is for you to lose your joy. Jesus says, my joy, I give to you, right? That's a gift from Jesus. Can you imagine the joy of Jesus in my heart? Why should I lose the joy? And the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You lose your strength. When you lose your joy. And so the obstacles, the enemy designed them to make you lose your joy. And so you must fight to keep your joy. Amen. While you are waiting. Don't ever give up. Don't ever say, I don't know what else to do. No, don't let it come out of your mouth. Because once it starts coming out of your mouth, you have lost your joy. And you are the weakest at that point. It mean, meaning, Satan has got you to, you know, our boxers do. They knock, they hit the guy once and he stumble, and they say, Well, I got him now. And then the next thing you know, the boxer is in his face and he's ready to take him out. 
when you do those things, the enemy knows he's got you and he wants to beat the daylights out of you at that time. You need to encourage yourself. Don't ever lose your joy. Don't ever lose your joy. I heard this story about uh, uh, Novel Hayes, multi-millionaire, he had several businesses, and everything, all his business, everything was going down. All of it was going down. He couldn't understand what was happening, and he tried everything. I guess uh, his personal help in the office, they looked into the account, kept coming back to him over and over and saying, Mr. Hayes, we don't have any, any money in this account. And he said, uh, we have thousands and thousands and thousands of, hundreds of thousands of dollars in that account. And she says, Mr. Hayes, I'm telling you, there's nothing in this account. It's almost gone. And he'll repeat the same thing. the woman in first church and say, whatever you say, Mr. Hayes, whatever you say. But he, with all of different accounts, he started going down. And then he went to one of Kenneth Hagin's meetings. And Kenneth Hagin, he goes prophesying. Sometimes they say for 30 minutes he's prophesying. From one thing he jumps from one thing to the other. And, and then he turned around to Novel. I heard this from Novel's mouth. He turned around to Novel and said, your problem is you don't laugh at the devil enough. And he said, laugh at the devil. What does that mean? But then Kenneth went on, prophesied. So when he got back to his office, when everybody is gone, and he's heard all the bad news about his businesses, he started walking back and forth in his office. Ha, 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 ha. He'd be laughing. He, he said, did you think like that, that I, felt, I felt like laughing? He said, I felt like crying. But he kept laughing. Devil, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> That's what he was doing. He was almost like crying, but he was doing what God told him to laugh. And then he really got into it. Guess what happened? According to Noah, everything turned around. Everything turned around. The enemy wants you to keep crying. But the Bible says all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. He knew you before you were born. He knew what you were going to go through. During that period of waiting, it's not the time to allow yourself to lose your joy. Because the enemy found something that will make you lose your joy. Guess what he goes after? The same thing constantly. And you must learn not to never allow him to do that. Don't ever lose your joy. Always stay with your joy. Let me read some scriptures to you. I'm not sure if I gave this, but uh, can you give me Proverbs 17, verse 22? Okay. He says, A merry heart does good like medicine. But a broken spirit dries the bones. So when you allow yourself to be depressed, you're going out. Let me put, give you another scripture. Proverbs 18, verse 14. It says, The spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness. 
But who can bear a broken spirit? What it is is when your heart is broken and you are sad, you can't even handle being sick. Medicine will not work for you. That scripture, the previous one, where it says a merry heart does good like medicine, is the literal translation is will even assist the medicine you're taking. Make it work better. That's what that word means. So one person takes this medicine and they're free. Another person takes the same and they have to take large doses and it's still not working. Why? A merry heart. Don't lose your joy because of the problem. That's why the Bible says, take no thought. In other words, be anxious for nothing. Because you block everything, both naturally in your physical realm and then in the spiritual realm. You really need to get rid of unhappiness. I'm unhappy. You're happy to say it. I'm going to tell it as it is. You're killing yourself. Don't tell it as it is. Tell it the truth. Speak the truth. Let God be true and every man a liar. Stop speaking what you see in the natural. Speak what you Many times we are canceling everything God's saying because all these thoughts are coming into our heads. If you're an emotional person, you really need to watch yourself. Don't say those things. That's what I mean But on Sunday. There's called something called the discipline of faith. You don't have to say it. You can think it, but don't, don't give birth to it by saying it because you feel that way. Maybe just to make some other person feel bad. You're going to say it, but once it comes out of your mouth, you've given birth to it. You can take it back. Say the truth and speak the truth from God's word and refuse to go down, refuse to be depressed. That's what God meant when he was speaking to Joshua. Be very courageous. Don't allow what's happening, the battle, even if you guys are not making it and it seems like you are being pushed back, stay courageous. Stay courageous. Don't ever give in. Even if it looks really dreary, really bad, things are going on, there's no way out. Let me tell you this, there is never, there is no way out with God. There's nothing like that. That's, that's, that's a sinful word. There is no way out. I've tried everything. No, you haven't tried everything. Because God can meet you in your place in the 11th hour. When you think everything is over. We can't stop ourselves from thinking that way because we're human. But don't, don't give voice to it. Don't give voice to it. Because once you give voice to it, he heard it. And God said to the, the, the Israelites in the wilderness, what you've heard, every time we do those things, even though, uh, you don't, if you put yourself in their place, I can understand why they were feeling the way they felt. Can you be in the desert and there's no, you're looking around and there is nothing to drink? And your kids are crying? Die in water. And this Moses is taking you, I can see how they felt, but God wasn't happy when they voiced it. Don't understand it. Then eventually, a lot of rocks with the, that followed them everywhere they went with water gushing out for them to drink, regardless of where they were in the wilderness. That's the God we serve. You never should say those things because it makes him very angry and he wants us. You can read Second Corinthians chapter 10. If God was warning about this, they did it in, in the old time. You don't want to do it in the New Testament. 
So we must maintain our joy. We must maintain our joy. Psalm 9. I put this as a new century version. Please, can you give me that? New century version. It says, I will praise. That's what you need to do. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. We got it? New century version, if we got it. Nine, beginning from verse one. Not 149. We're coming to that. I'm sorry, I didn't give you guys this. Verse, beginning from verse 1. Psalm 9. We got it? Okay. It says, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell all the miracles you have done. How many have done that? Yeah, you need to tell all of the miracles that he's done. I will be what? Happy. Can you say with me, happy? You know why he's doing this? When you tell yourself, I will be happy, that tells me something else, right? You don't tell yourself, I will be happy when you're happy, right? You tell yourself, I will be happy when you're not feeling happy, right? That's what he was saying. I will tell of all your miracles so I can get happy. Okay? I will sing praises to your name. Okay? I will be happy because of you. In other words, I'm thinking about the problem, and the only way I can find happiness is when I think about you, right? When I think about you. God most high. I will sing praises to your name. My enemies turn back. When you do that, the enemies will turn back. They will turn back. They are overwhelmed and die because of you. When you start thinking of God, God begins to deal with your problem. Amen? When you are happy before God, you refuse to deal with the the unhappiness. You refuse to lose your joy. God begins to make your enemies to turn back. That's why you must never lose your joy. He wants you are happy in God. He says, I'm happy because I'm thinking about you. Not the problem. I'm not speaking about the problem. I'm not meditating on the problem. I am being happy because I got God on my side. And all things work together for good. And while you're doing that, God is telling the enemy, you know you got to turn back now. It's enough. You see, my son is, my daughter is getting so happy. And I like that. And I, I don't want you disturbing that. So he fights the enemy. Can I hear an amen? He fights the enemy. But the natural thing for us to do is to get unhappy. And we're thinking God is going to respond when he sees us unhappy. Uh-uh. He responds when you are happy. That's what he's saying. The natural is to be unhappy. God, I am good. And God says, what is this? And he sees the joyful person and says, ah, this is wonderful. Enemies stay away. I'm enjoying this. He doesn't enjoy your unhappiness. Amen? Puts him off. That's what he said. I meditate on you and then I'm happy. Amen? I'm happy and I work on your behalf. When God is happy. 
I like another scripture. The next one, Psalm 8. And I'm going to show you scriptures tonight. It's important. Is it okay? It's so important because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to look at some scriptures about this happiness, how to deal with it, how God deals with that. It says in Psalm 8 verse 1 and 2, it says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name. How excellent is your name in all the earth. Who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. Now, the literal meaning of that word strength, you know in the New Testament, says you have ordained praise. Okay? You remember when Jesus said, uh, you know, if these people stop uh, saying Hosanna, Hosanna, even the stones will cry out. And the thing is, out of the mouth of babes, for the scripture was fulfilled, out of the mouth of praise, God has ordained praise. Your praise is your strength. Your praise is your strength. So he says, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. Why? Because of your enemies. That you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Your praise and your joy, will, when you are doing that, God will silence them. In other words, stop! Stop! I don't want anything disturbing what I'm getting from my infants, the prince, the children. God says, stop. He goes, this, the Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let the matter be established. When you are happy and you praise God, he talks to the enemy. When you are praising God, he destroys the enemy in your life. He removes the obstacle because he wants your joy to continue. It's when we go the other way and we are discouraged, and we're complaining and meditating on the, the problem instead of God, that's when we really get ourselves in trouble. Amen? Don't talk about the problem. Talk about God. How do you give praise to God? By telling about what God's doing in your life, right? Is that not praise? When you talk about what the devil is doing in your life, guess who is getting the praise? You are giving glory to the devil. By telling of all the wonderful, bad stuff he's doing in your life. When you speak of all the good things God's doing in your life, who is getting the praise? That's how we praise God, right? When we testify of what God's doing in our life, we praise God. When you're testifying of what the devil is doing in your life, who is enjoying it? The devil. We shouldn't speak that way. That's why God works when we are happy in his presence. Amen? Now, Psalm 149, I'm going to close with this. It's so important. So important. Psalm 149, so important. Close with this. Let the saints, how many saints do we have here tonight? Amen. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Some of us should be in the shower. Because your wife might kick you out for your joyful noise. 
Some of us sing, the rest of us make joyful noise. <laughs> okay? It says, let them sing aloud on their beds. God's telling you what to do. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. And a two-edged sword in their hand. What's the sword? The word of God. Right? To execute, how do you do it? To, why are you doing all of this? Why are you singing praises? Why are you speaking the word of God? The double-edged sword, that's the word of God coming out of your mouth. Why? It says it's to execute vengeance on the nations. That's your enemies. The world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. That's what he's talking about. You begin to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the people. That's the demonic forces that are coming against your life. To bind the kings, to bind their kings with chains. So your praise ties up the enemy. Your joy and your high praises at night before God on your bed binds up the enemy. He says it's to execute judgment on them. So you bind them with chains that they cannot take off when you are praising God, even though you are going through some difficult times. You maintain your joy and you are worshipping God and praising Him even in the situation. And just like I read two other scriptures, right? On this, God turns and He begins to tie up the obstacle and up those things that are coming against your life. Amen. To bind your kings with chains and their nobles with feathers of iron. In other words, every demonic force, every principality, every power, no matter what they are, God's tying them because of the high praises coming out of your mouth. He says to execute on them the written judgment. What is the written judgment? Every promise that God has given to you in the word. That's the written judgment. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. God begins to execute that written judgment against them. Every word that is spoken against your life, God destroys. So it has no effect, no curse. Nothing can be up, no curse can be upon your life. To execute the written judgment. And then he says, this honor of all the saints. How many saints do we have here? That's God honoring you to bind up your enemy. But you got to be praising him. You don't have to lose your joy. You got to praise him. This honor has all the saints. Every saint of God has this honor. God will honor you with this if you will do what God says. That's the way to get around it. This is very practical, what you must do. It's like novel heads. Ha, 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 ha. He said, I didn't feel like laughing. I felt like crying. But God said, I'm not laughing enough. So I was laughing. Ha, ha. And then God came through for him. Sounds foolish. But God uses the foolish things of the earth to confound, to confound the wise. Doesn't make sense, but we do it. Doesn't make sense to start thanking God when things are bad. So what are you doing? Thanking God. You just heard you've been fired. Yes, I'm thanking God. Are you stupid? <laughs> That's what they're thinking. But they don't know what you know. Amen? The next few weeks they find you got a better job. It makes sense then. Stand up with me tonight. Let us not be hearers of the word only. But let's be what? Doers. Doers of the word. Sometimes we hear, he goes on the word. This is not just, this is the time of the service. We do praise and worship. 
And after praise and worship, we do some uh, prayer, and then we take the offering, and then it's time to hear the word, oh, today's gone. No, it's something to change my life. Amen? That's why we're doing what we're doing. Because something is happening to your life right now. God's changing things in your life. Amen? There's faith rising up in you right now because of what you've heard. Because these are not my words. They are from the Father. And the Bible says faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by what? There's faith in your heart right now. I'm guaranteed. There's faith in your heart. Because God cannot lie. But you need to act on the faith. Right? Faith without action is dead. Act on it. Amen? Because you got the faith. Let's lift our hands up to the Lord tonight. And just thank Him. Thank Him. Because you know that this problem that you're dealing with, this concern that you have is going away. It's passing away. Just like the scripture says, and the world is passing away. And God is making all things new. The world is passing away. That problem is passing away. Whatever it is, is passing from you. And God is making all things new. Please be patient with God because He's building something beautiful in your life. It takes time sometimes to build. But if the Lord doesn't build a house, those who are building are building in vain. Let God build your house. And may the Lord build your house today, your life, your finances Everything about you, may God bless his inheritance at the Ark Fellowship in the name of Jesus. Because the Ark Fellowship is God's inheritance. God protect your inheritance. Your people at the Ark Fellowship, they are your inheritance. Bless them, multiply them in every way, in all, every area of their lives. Multiply and bless your people greatly. In Jesus' name we thank you. And God's people said... Amen. God bless you.